Father God, I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the way that you spoke in and through Paul. I want to pray, Lord God, that uh, you would open our eyes, our ears and our heart to your work of your Holy Spirit into us. And I pray, Lord God, that indeed we as a church would indeed be a church of reconciliation. We'd be about the work of the Father. We'd be about the work of reaching out to the prodigals. We'd be about the work of loving people. So I pray that you would help us and speak to us this day. In Jesus' name, God's people said, Amen. All right, now, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, two books. How many letters did Paul write to the Corinthians? Four, six, three, two. Do I hear another number? Do I hear seven? Do I hear eight? There is an argument that Nat is correct. There is four. There's also an argument that there was three. Um, There are those of us who are naive and silly and think there's two. There's one and two Corinthians. That's the two letters. Um, But uh, there is discussion about it. In and through this, though, we see Paul who started... The church in Corinth, check out Acts chapter 18. For those of you who don't like to travel around the Bible like I made you do last week, this week you can just sit right here. You don't have to go anywhere else. So you don't have to open your Bible anywhere else. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is where we're going to sit. There is uh, some crankiness from Paul as a leader. He's telling the people what they're doing is good. They're telling them what they're doing is wrong. So he's trying to fix it up, trying to uh, work into their lives and get them to be the best they can be in Jesus And he's giving them instructions. There's even mention about a painful visit. A painful visit from a pastor. How about that? pastor comes and gets cranky and says to the people, come on, you're better than this. The the love of Christ compels us to this. Don't do this. Not live in the way of the world. He gets cranky and tries to get the people on board. The people uh, get cranky back and saying, well, who are you to come and tell us what to do? You ever hear that? Who are you? What's your cause into our lives? Who are you to speak into our lives? Apostle Paul, who writes a lot of the New Testament. Who are you? You know, they get cranky with him. Do you know why? Because they're people. And Paul's people. And Paul's not perfect. As I heard this morning again, a quote I'd made earlier used the same word. We are all imperfect. If you are perfect, please come and help me. Because I am imperfect. And I need lots of help. But if you're like me and you're imperfect, you're inconsistent, then let's work together to be about God's work. So this is a a number of letters. One, two, three, four, seven. There's a number of letters that Paul wants to sow into the people at Corinth. And it's a very, very important message. Today we're going to look at one aspect of it. The first bit that I'll I'll just preface, uh, verse 11 through to 13, Paul actually talks about some of his crankiness in those few verses. He talks about, you know, commend ourselves to you and the opportunity given. And it's not pride for us, but this is part of what God's plan is. But I want to start us from verse 14, chapter 5, verse 14. And it says, For Christ's love compels us, because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though once we regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. I shared a couple of weeks ago when Cynthia and I started Crossfire Youth Ministries, our 
our tagline, our logo or whatever it was called. He died for me, I'll live for him. He died for me, I'll live for him. It was good, it was simple, it was easy for young people to get hold of. And the fact is, Jesus died for you and for me. And our response to that is to live for him, to live for him daily. I want to let you know, and I've already said this a little bit, but I want to bang it on home. You've got three pastors here who have committed their lives to the call of God and to the work of God in and through this place. They're listening to God's voice. They're endeavouring to do the very best they can. Nat could go and get a teaching job. There's plenty out there at the moment. There's truckloads of them. Uh, He could work full-time as a chaplain, but he's feeling God's call into this place and space, so he's put his hand up to be here. Brendan could easily go back, I think, to uh, the hospital where he would be gladly welcomed home as the prodigal son with all his technical whiz and all that sort of stuff and he could earn a lot more money than he does here at this space. But he's feeling God's call on his life to be here at Kiwana Life as a pastor. So he's responding to the call. He's going, he died for me, I'm going to live for him. You see, Jesus teaches us that the mark of a person who is truly his disciple is not a tattooed cross on your wrist. Although that could be cool, I guess. It's not even having a set of doctrinal beliefs, but apparently that's important. But the mark of a person who really knows is God's love working in and through us. You see, Jesus said this, By this everyone will know that you are my disciples. By this. What is it by this? That they have a tattooed cross on their wrist? Or is it that they have all their doctrines worked out and they can quote the understanding of... Oh, okay, Nat. They can understand... They can understand... And pneumatology and all those big wording ones. Is that what it's about? No. What Jesus said is, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And Paul says in this reading, the love of Christ compels us compels us that we are convinced i want the love of christ to compel us anyone else keen for the love of christ to compel us in all that we're about let's pray father god i pray right now by the power of your holy spirit that the love of christ will compel us would compel us Lord god to be who you've called us to be to go beyond our understanding to go beyond our precepts our concepts our understandings help us lord god let us let your love flow in and through us, in Jesus' mighty name. Let's continue on as we read from verse 17. It says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone and the new has come. All this is from God, who reconciles us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that Christ was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and he has committed us to the message of, of reconciliation how many of you know that how many of you know that you have a ministry of reconciliation see when we started up the ministry here at Kiwana Life we talked about belong, believe, become the belong aspect was the belonging to God first love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your mind, with all your soul, with all your strength love God and the second is like it to love your neighbour oikos comes out of that loving God and loving your neighbour Oikos is about loving your neighbour. We even did that early sermon series about two years ago. There's other aspects of the belong, believe, become. I won't go into just now, but that is part of it. You see, 
Paul is saying to us that we are to become the instrument of reconciliation in our broken and divided world. How many of us know that this is a broken and divided world at this moment in time? Even more so than it was two years ago. Our first step as a people of faith, as followers of Jesus, is to truly reconcile ourselves with God. Our first place has to be the upper room experience. Our first place has to be sitting down and being prayerful and grabbing hold of what the Holy Spirit is saying and in and through us. If we're not doing that, guess what? We go out in our own strength. We need to go out in the strength and the power of God Almighty. You see, one of the signs of being reconciled to God is that we truly know who God is. Again, in the words of Paul in the letter to the Romans, it is a sense of God's love streaming in and through our hearts. As we spill over in that love, we become more loving people. I want to be a more loving person. And there's that word again, isn't it? Christiformity, more like Christ, becoming like Christ. Let's go back to the passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Here's another challenge for us. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God was making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. And in and through that, there is that, a breaking down of barriers, being reconcilers and being in the ministry of reconciliation, we've got to do some stuff in our own lives first to be able to get to that place. There's areas of repentance, there's areas that we will pray through soon that we need to grab hold of for us as a nation. Miroslav Vlof, anyone heard of him? Oh, there you go, excellent. He's a theologian. And where did he teach? Ah, Yale! Oh, see how good your pastors are? Wow, that is impressive. Have they really? I haven't watched Q&A in a long time. All right, he was... Um, for the rest of you, let me share this about this bloke. And I probably said his name close. No. Wolf. I thought I said that. Okay. He was born and raised in ethnic divided and war-torn Croatia. How's that for your upbringing? Ethnically divided, war-torn Croatia. Makes Logan City look like a nice place to live. He contends that ethnic cleansing is the result of a false sense of purity from the own race or bloodline. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm a mongrel Christian. I was not brought up Baptist. I saw a podcast the other day where we were talking about the, the purity of the, the church and one guy was making the claim that Baptists, of which we are and of which I am, Baptists come from the line of John the Baptist. <laughs> are you serious? <laughs> How do you get that? John the <laughs> Sorry, Nat. But, but there's that sense, like, I grew up in the Presbyterian church because that was, as a little baby, where my mum took me. And I went there with the family and that became the Uniting Church and that's where I stayed. And when I travelled to Tasmania, I became a part of the Church of Christ. Then I came back to Queensland, to the Uniting Church, and then to Bible College, into denominational Bible College, studied with Pentecostals, Charismatics, Brethren. Oh boy, goodness. Um, and then my first church was the Charismatic Brethren. How about that one? 
And the second church, the Anglicans, wearing gowns and stoles and stuff and candles. I like candles, they're nice. And then the next church was the Uniting Church again. And then it left the Uniting Church over a whole bunch of stuff and become Calvary Family Church, a part of the Crosslink Network, which some of you have never heard of. And at the end of that time, at the age of 40, God calls me to a Baptist church. Hence, I'm a mongrel Christian. I don't know what my heritage is. And as a, a, a man, I'm all over the place. One of the funniest things my, my grandma used to tell me was back in World War I, apparently there's some German heritage in my family. And there is the Pommy heritage. So in World War I, there was a chance that my inheritance was shooting each other. How's that for a family tree? The other interesting is that my dad's family has a little bit of a trick back to Bath or Bath in England. But we're all from all over the place. We're all over it. Some of us have different heritage. We don't have a pure bloodline, so we should be looking at one another as the people of God, as one. In Canada, part of the reason that colonists from Europe stole the land from the Aboriginal peoples, the native people were physically forced off the land and never properly compensated. And also they were subjected to violent treatment. Part of the reason that the indigenous people were seen as savages, even viewed as less than human, many of the colonists justified heinous acts towards the First Nations people because they saw themselves as superior due to a false sense of purity. Isn't that nice to look at Canada and how bad Canada was towards their First Nations people? It's easy, isn't it? You see, we're called as Christ's ambassadors. We're meant to be ambassadoring for God, reflecting who Jesus is wherever we go. The challenge is, is that what has happened overseas is still what happened here as well. It happened in our own backyard. When Australia was settled in the same way and the way it was done, it was the way that it was done. It was the science of the day. How many times do we hear that these days? It was the science of the day. Charles Darwin, in one of his many theories, stated that the civilised, the civilised <laughs> will always overcome the uncivilised. Now, when you sit and hear that, you go, oh, yes, yes, of course, yes, uh, yeah, of course, of course. Well, you realise, ladies and gentlemen, that the civilised overtake the uncivilised. Is Well, ladies and gentlemen, the civilised have cannons and guns and big boats. The uncivilised have knives and warmers. And did you do? But we're Christ's ambassadors. We are about God. And we're about our family and our neighbours. Christ's ambassadors. Letting the work of God work in and through us, bringing about His transformation. One of the incredible stories in this week's Inside Out from Carinity. Carinity is one of the sister or daughter groups within Kiwana, within the QB network, uh, they go into the prisons with chaplaincy. And there's an incredible story about this young man called Conrad. He's an Aboriginal man. And his family was doing it tough back in 2015. And uh, to, to help his family out, he was encouraged and led astray that uh, selling some uh, illegal substances was a good way to do that, to raise quick money. 
to pay off the mortgage to pay for food for his family. He ended up in maximum security prison and started going to church. He met Jesus in prison and uh, his life has turned around. You see, there were some people that went into the prison that took seriously the ministry of reconciliation between him and God and then him with others. And this indigenous man has an incredible testimony because some people went and talked with their neighbour who just happened to be in jail at that time. Let's finish off this passage. As God's co-workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of our favour I heard you, and in help of salvation I helped you. I tell you that now is the time of God's favour, and now is the day of salvation. I pray God's favour upon each and every one of us and all that we do in the area of reconciliation, in the area of reaching out. I pray God's favour upon us, realising that today is the day of salvation. If you do not know who Jesus Christ is as your Lord and Saviour, at the end of our time together, I'd love to sit and pray with you. I would love you to share with us and I'd love to introduce you to Jesus. He's a mighty, mighty God. And today is a good day for salvation. As we go about this ministry of reconciliation to which God calls us, we go about our work as ambassadors for Christ. We plant sacred seeds in the dirt earth of racism, sexism, and all the other isms. And by God's grace, we grow it from God's realm of justice, peace, and love. And I pray, may it be so for you and for me that we would be on a ministry of reconciliation in our families, in our communities, in our nation. Let's pray. Father God, I want to thank you for for calling us to be your Christ's ambassadors. I want to thank you for those that took seriously the ministry of reconciliation and went into prisons and talked with a guy called Conrad. And I know that happens again and again and again. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, for, for those of us who come across people who we need to just love, for it's your spirit that compels us to love. I pray, Lord God, you'll continue to do a work in us as a nation in the area of reconciliation across all this nation's peoples. And Lord, I just want to lift Kerry Neal before you. Lord, my heart was to to meet a gubby-gubby man. I've met him. I've grown to love him, Lord. And uh, it humbles me when he calls me uncle because I'm older than him. But Lord, I I love his ministry and I pray, Lord God, you would continue to enable him to raise up more gubby-gubby young men and women to be able to minister across our region in the area of reconciliation. We pray this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. We're going to finish our service a little bit differently today. I'm going to ask Brendan to come and share in a benediction. Now, the uh, prayer of uh, thanksgiving that Nat read out was written by an Indigenous man, I believe, and this benediction is also written by an Indigenous person. Thank you.
like to share with you an Aboriginal blessing by Uncle Vince Ross. May the God of creation warm your heart like the campfires of old. Bring wisdom and peace as shown to the first peoples of this land. Shake off the dust from the desert plains by the refreshing rains, followed by the glow and warmth of the sun. Let the light of God show us the right path and stand tall like the big river gums drawing life from the ever-flowing waters. Amen.